Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Establish the Collection. I am Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman. And Gary, this is like the first episode that we're recording and it's not after a basketball game. I know, I know. And I was actually going to say, I thought you were going to say, how are you doing? And I was going to say, well, I'm okay. It's weird not having basketball every night. But, you know, here I am. And I watched the MLB All-Star game. It was fine. But there's enough There's enough here to keep me going. I have a, I have a new favorite sport in Formula One. Uh, you know, baseball is fun. And I feel like I'm just in full-on preseason NFL mode, even though it's only the, towards the beginning of July still. So I'm doing okay, even though I miss the nightly grind of basketball. It was, it was honestly, it was kind of a depressing realization for me. Earlier, you know, I was like, oh, man, you know, usually I'm waiting till 11 o'clock or 1130 to get the link from Gary. And we're talking about game one or game two or game three of whichever conference series it is. And and now there's nothing. No, no basketball. Yeah. It's kind of a depressing realization for what's to come over the next couple of months. But uh, we'll, we're going to quickly get into baseball, obviously. And then, yeah. man, football is going to be here before we know it. So, yeah, we'll be Can't busy. We- with, we'll be busy with stuff to watch. Oh, of course. It's not. There's plenty of stuff for us to to watch right now. Can't wait for football. That's for sure. And the good thing about the way basketball is set up right now with the COVID pushing everything back is the drafts in like two weeks, right after the finals, essentially. Yeah. And we're going to go right into the draft, right into rumor season, right into trades and free agency. And it seems like it's never going to stop. Then before we know it, Gallagher will be tweeting out 40 tweets a day from Summer League, and we're going to be having a great time. So NBA just keeps go- keeps on going. If there's if there's anything NBA related to get excited for, it's to get Gallagher back on the pod to talk through all of his Summer League favorites and potential buys for guys that are busting out in Summer League. So I, yep. I am really looking forward to that. I know he had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he was starting to look at hotels in Vegas for, uh, for Summer League. I so. know. <laughs> Only Gallagher, yeah. only Gallagher. All right, we got a loaded show today. Uh, you know, baseball is on the horizon and taking center stage, as Gary mentioned, with the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, and, and the whole spectacle around that event, uh, as we saw unfold yesterday. But before we get into it, just a couple housekeeping items. Do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We're going to keep running giveaways at random to our loyal listeners and our loyal listeners only. And by doing those three things, you'll be entered in to win. I think Gary's got something ready to give away uh, at some point here. We're, we're going to wait till we get those numbers bumped up just a little bit. But again, we appreciate everyone that, that everyone that's come out listening to the shows has already subscribed, rated and reviewed the podcast. And if you haven't done so, just just do that before you leave here today. And one last final piece of housekeeping news. We've we've kind of launched our Twitter account and our Instagram accounts. Uh, if you're not following those yet, please do so. Follow the show on Twitter at Collection ETR and at Establish the Collection on Instagram. Yep, yep, absolutely. Instagram, uh, I need to do a better job of getting that off the ground, but we've done a good job getting Twitter going. Thank you guys for for following that. So far, you're going to get to see some of our little video clips that we put out and any other goodies that we uh, find in the Twitterverse will be will be on there and then uh, i want to do the instagram thing right so you know there's a whole instagram card world out there and i want to make sure that if you're following that account you can go to it for reliable news you can go for it you can look at the people that that account is following for reliable card accounts and um you know you can kind of immerse yourself in that world as far as connections and and things like that all right let's get into it let's get the people caught up on the week that was around the hobby and it wouldn't be official. It wouldn't be an official established collection episode if we weren't talking about Golden. Seems like they've become a staple for us. Uh, what happened at yet another record-breaking weekend at Golden Auction with Shohei Otani? Yeah, so Otani, they had a bunch of his colored refractor Bowman uh, rookie cards. He doesn't have a fir- it's his first Bowman, but it's considered a rookie card, obviously, for Otani, as he wasn't an American prospect. Uh, and the big, the big sale from that set of Otani cards was a new record for his 
orange chrome refractor, which is out of 25. Orange in Bowman is always out of 25. And the, that was with a, a BGS 9.5 with a 10 auto. And that went for $148,000 for an Otani rookie. So that's a new record for an Otani Bowman rookie there. Uh, no surprise with what he's doing with 33 homers at the deadline was the winning pitcher tonight in the All-Star game. We'll get into it a little bit later, but um, I would expect if he stays healthy for these type of Otani records to keep kind of popping up as the season progresses. Yeah, we'll get into Otani's market, both both the flagship and the very high end stuff, like you mentioned. Um, but but keeping with the theme of the extremely high end stuff, not to be outdone, the Mick made major news this weekend. Mickey Mantle set a new record uh, for his fifty two tops PSA eight went for two point one million at Newman Auction. Um, and I actually saw this posted on the Rockies Twitter account. I think you saw this too. There was a pretty big entrance made for the what, what's it valued at like ten million dollars for the for the PSA ten version of that card, one of yep. just three in existence. Uh, I think they had that bad boy displayed at the All Star game this weekend. So, really big news for you know the high end of of the hobby. We always talk about this. It's really good to get eyeballs on the hobby. Seeing that thing displayed and and posted by Major League Baseball team on Twitter is really good news to get fans engaged and uh, very cool stuff. Yeah. There was actually a, a Mickey Mantle that was uh, that is being offered and actually openly traded on a fractional platform called Collectible. We haven't talked a ton of fractional on here, but Collectible has one actively trading on the secondary market. Um, that quickly jumped up about 30% on secondary trading after that thing sold this weekend. Yeah. So very, very good sign for both the fractional space, the high-end collectible space. Anything to add to, to the Mickey Mantle discussion there? No, I mean, it makes sense that the collectible price jumped at that number. That definitely is a, a new high for that PSA 8. I, I was going back looking historically, you know, you even see over the past year, you saw that what someone for like 1.15, closer to 1.5. So this is definitely a big jump for a PSA 8 to cross that 2 million threshold. You like to see it for that 52 mantle. It's certainly one of those pinnacle, um, you know, Pantheon baseball cards. And yeah, I think the $10 million valuation on that PSA 10 with the three in existence is a fair one. Honestly, if one ever hits the market, I would be surprised if it didn't get close to, to that number, given that we saw the nine go for a 5.2, I think is the yeah. new record on the nine. So, you know, to get the perfect grade, uh, I, I would say you could probably about double that, that nine score. So, well, and we've seen a huge premium for, for the differences at that level. Like we're talking with the Gretzky right. car that sold for 3.7 compared to some of the sales for the nines. When, once you hit that, that mark and there's so few in existence, the rarity is literally one of two or one of three, something like this is just uh, going to be tough to touch those numbers. So I wouldn't be shocked if 10 million was low, to be honest. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a possibility for sure. And, and I sent you this story. I think it was yesterday or the day before, but I didn't even realize when I sent you this story, there was this Florida doctor, um, kind of a tragic story, to be honest, but this Florida doctor passed away in January uh, due to complications with COVID, was an avid card collector, had thousands of baseball cards. His wife didn't even realize what he had in his collection. Well, the sale of that PSA 8 actually belonged to this Florida doctor who sold all of his collection, most of his collection, most of his collection was sold uh, by the family. And that mantle sold for 2.1 million. He had a 33 Babe Ruth card that pulled a 4.2 million total. Uh, in all, his collection was worth well over 21 million. So I just thought that was kind of an, uh, a neat story, a kind of a storybook ending for an avid card collector who, you know, tragically passed away earlier this year. Yeah, it's really incredible. Obviously, a sad story, and I wish his the best to, to his family. But it's it's definitely a, a a way to to leave them off without even you know necessarily knowing what the the family knowing what he had on his hands. It's it's really incredible. You know, with with that said, 
if my kids sell any of my RJ Barrett cards, they're written out of the will, <laughs> out of the will. They don't get a dime. So if you're listening, <laughs> kids, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now, don't even think about selling those RJ Barrett no. cards. You hold RJ forever. That's right. Both of our, <laughs> our kids will be connected by all the RJ Barrett cards that we're passing down to them, Cody. Damn it. Our parents, won't, our, our dead dads won't let us collect, cash in on their millions. <laughs> Let's go drink Bush Light. <laughs> It'll be all they can afford. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's let's get into some something that you saw posted on Twitter this week that I thought was was very interesting and something that 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 deserves a mention and probably a larger macro discussion, honestly, more so than just the the, the story that that came about that popped up on your Twitter timeline. But I would venture most people aren't playing around in these golden streets and these million dollar auction streets, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Most people are probably buying and selling on, on eBay, uh, like you and I, maybe other platforms like Alt and Starstock and My Slabs, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, you saw something that popped up on your timeline. Uh, first of all, what what happened with that story? I think you can explain it better than I can and, and go into more of your, your general thoughts on uh, the situation that unfolded this weekend. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we can't quote the tweet directly because it seems like it's been taken down. But I did see a tweet a couple of days ago pop up that was retweeted by Card Purchaser, which is a big Twitter account that kind of retweets all different things about cards if they see an interesting auction on eBay. Just it's it's kind of it's, it's a little bit of an overwhelming account. So th there's they they definitely um are anything and everything that could come up about cardboard, they're tweeting it. But I, they did retweet in response to somebody that had basically said, "Hey, I gave this card to Golden for." Uh, auction and I had it had it on eBay at buy it now first and I had an offer on this card for sixty five hundred dollars and it only ended up selling on golden for nineteen I believe was the exact number eighteen wow. or nineteen hundred uh, so obviously that's a big hit from what they would have taken on eBay now the cards the sweet tweet has been since taken down he did the the seller of that card did tag golden auctions in the tweet I'm wondering if they golden tried to make it right they didn't want the negative publicity whatever that's all speculation however. Uh, I think this is just a better uh, way to make a point about the reason that we always said I use eBay. And, and, and you know, that is for cards that are, let's say, in the four-figure range, let's say under $10,000, you are guaranteed to get the most eyes on eBay. And now I have all the respect in the world for the disruptors out there like Starstock and some really good companies that are using the vault system and, you know, are, are a good way to price shop as a buyer and hopefully will be great platforms to sell as well but you know ebay is still going to be the safer way to get your maximum value either that or you know i mentioned that previous like the instagram card world you'd be able to negotiate directly with somebody but golden you know it's still a new a relatively new way to sell in a mainstream way so you know sending them a four that five thousand dollar card does carry a risk to it for sure you know the, the type of buyers that are going on there just this is my general thought and opinion are not the type of people that might be looking for a card in that range. That's just the way it is. Now, I think they're trying to get there. They're trying to be one of those eBay disruptors where they could be a marketplace for $200 cards and $20 million cards. But I don't think that's where it is right now. And I just thought it was a really interesting tweet that I saw that I think was uh, was worthy of discussion. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So your general takeaway there is just that anything, maybe five figures or less, uh, or maybe, maybe even lower, maybe, maybe 5,000 or less or whatever yeah. threshold you're comfortable with is better suited for eBay. And not some of these, you know, auction houses. Golden being kind of the main, the main player in that space. Although it seems like they continue to tweet out these, you know, these record-breaking prices. That's where their buyer is right now. Their yep. buyers are in that you know, twenty, twenty-five thousand and above range, not playing around in, in some of the streets that that most of us are playing around in. 
Yep. And again, I, I've said this a little bit before the podcast. I am I have not yet used golden auctions. I do believe at some point I will. They're in my home state, so I can even drop off if I don't feel comfortable sending one of my big card items in the mail, which is great. So I probably will use them at some point here in the future. Uh, I would like to when if and when I do get something in their premium auction, which you know we're talking it's one of those higher price cards, uh, because I know that gets the most publicity. I know that's what they kind of push the most. Now again, I don't know their business model that well. I know they have new ownership. They have. Uh, a lot of socials, they have big followings. You know, this could all improve and change. And and as I learn more about it, maybe I'll change my tune. But for now, yeah, that that's my general feeling. Can I put you on this? Can I put you on the spot and ask you which uh, which card in your collection would be if you if you had to guess right now or had to say right now which card in your collection would be the one that you would first be listed on Golden Auction? Yeah, I mean, I have a Zion Williamson National Treasures rookie patch autograph, so that's you know still sitting in that. 30 to 70 K range, those depending on the out of 99s, depending on condition and grades and, and everything else. Um, I have exquisite LeBron James patch autos from 0405. <laughs> uh, that's, that's that range. The Luka Doncic, uh, iMac RPAs that I had showed actually last week or two weeks ago is, yeah. is also something that's in that range. So those are the type of cards that, that I'm talking from, from my own collection. All right. Well, for the for the plebes like me that that aren't playing around in the sixty to seventy thousand dollar range like Gary is, because we know we know that the high end of the market has been hot. We know it it pulled back just like the rest of the market did, but the high end of the market's been pretty hot throughout the last ninety days or so. But based off what we've seen of the uh, from the rest of the market recently, the mid tier stuff, some of the lower end stuff, even even base cards, which we saw really pull back, it looks like we're starting to see the market settle in. Anything that's that's pointed you to to, in that direction to, to kind of feel a little bit more comfortable about where the market's at versus what, what we've seen over the last three or four months. Yeah. It just looks like that the, um, at least kind of the rapid decrease that we were seeing has, has stabilized a little bit. You know, we were down 30% on the la of the last quarter overall and the card ladder index, which kind of takes a nice overview of modern, and vintage, yeah. the big name, kind of your flagship. There are the 52 mantles, obviously, and there's the 79 Gretzky's in there. Uh, you know, all, all those big cards, the 54 Hank Aaron, they do a good job spreading it around. There's some soccer stuff sprinkled in there, too. So I actually think that's a pretty good index. And that had been down nearly 30% over the last quarter. And now over the last month, it's only down 5%. Um, and I haven't seen any big days you know, where it's taken a big dip over the last uh, two weeks or so that I've been taking a look at it. Uh, no daily change really over uh, a percent or so. So I've been happy to see that. So it seems like it's really stabilizing uh, a little bit. And, you know, that's obviously something that that is great to see as somebody that's in this hobby uh, day in and day out. Yeah, to piggyback off your point, Starstock has an index not all that similar to card ladders. There's just more modern players, PSA 10s of, of kind of the ultra modern guys, even some raw stuff um, for guys that don't have huge pop counts. But uh, the the NFL index on Starstock is up. The MLB index on Starstock is in the green and NBA is still down slightly. So um, you're starting to see kind of the same thing that you mentioned with, with the card ladder index across even ultra modern stuff and, and even raw cards. So it's it's a really encouraging sign. Um, some of these like pre ultra modern guys, like the 2012 to 2017 range where, you know, really before the Luca and Trey class, these, some of these markets have like hit early COVID lows, you know? So some of these guys where we, we knew that things kind of blew up um, beginning with the COVID shutdown and beginning with uh, the Michael Jordan documentary and all that stuff. And that just really kind of took off from there. We're seeing some of these cards reapproach those levels where they started out at. Yep. So uh, for me, it's it's really represented a good buying window. Uh, 
definitely. in this space. So yeah, definitely excited for for what's to come. And, and if we're starting to see some sort of flattening, I want to get back on uh, back on the buying train before it, it starts to go back up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that we will see a time, you know, when heading into next basketball season, you know, basketball, the one that's still kind of maybe trending down slightly. Uh, I think we will see a time where that does go back up and, and stabilizes. Uh, as the rumor season comes in, as offseason comes in, and especially as next season, we have a more regular 82 game schedule, hopefully less injuries, hopefully a, just what feels like a more normal basketball season next year with all the stars, hopefully knock on wood healthy. Uh, I think that that market will stabilize itself as well. I should just clarify on the card ladder index. It is, a, I believe, a 50 card index and it. Um, yeah, it does range from vintage soldier around. They they even have the Charizard ninety nine. So there's a Pokemon card oh, going nice. in there. So it's really it, it. I think it does do a good job indicating the overall sports card collectibles. Um, everything is graded in theirs, uh, either nines or tens for for modern stuff, or you know maybe lower for some of the vintage. Yeah, and and another feather in the cap of some stability in the market. The fractional space um, is really seeing some stability as well. Alton Insights is a great account, especially on Twitter, if you're looking into. Uh, getting involved in the fractional space, or if you are involved in the fractional space, they have an index that tracks assets that are trading across a variety of platforms from Rally to Collectible to Otis. Uh, and they were green for the first time last week since they started publishing updates in June. So again, really good sign. And for me, anecdotally, uh, as I'm looking at those IPOs and looking at trading windows on the secondary market, things seem to be either trading flat uh, or trading up. We're not seeing those massive sell-offs that we were even 30, day 30 days ago, 60 days ago. IPOs are funding quicker than they were just over the last few months. So, uh, you know, really encouraging signs, at least from my perspective across the board. Yeah, I love that because I remember talking to you about a month ago when I was starting to get into rally and some some things and I was like, hey, why aren't these filling up so quickly? You know, my <laughs> understanding of these were that, you know, I, I like, like for example, that Muhammad Ali card is the first one that I had uh, gone into. I think this is such a unique, cool piece. You know, you'd think it would go quickly. And then since then, I haven't seen anything really linger around as far as the IPO is filling, which is, which is nice. Yeah, honestly, when I when I was getting involved in fractional, it was like you had to. It, it was almost like honestly the the top shot pack drops. You had to yeah. be there at eleven a.m. or whenever the whenever the IPO dropped, and you had to be ready to to. You had to have quick fingers. You had to be nimble, and you would sometimes miss out on assets that would fund wow. in like one or two minutes. So it's been cool. it was really weird for me being in being involved in the space as long as I have seeing stuff not fund for weeks or months on end. So yeah, it's it's really good to kind of see that up. I think there was some. Uh, people that that got involved late that thought they could make a quick buck, uh, buy things at IPO, flip them, and then you know yep. got discouraged when they couldn't do that. So I'm sure some of that money's left the space, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. So, well, really yeah, looking I've... forward to what's to come in the fractional space as we continue to see these these records set. The only way for me to ever get a piece of some of these record setting assets is to to buy them fractionally, and I, I yep. want to have the same upside as these you know mega wealthy people do that that can afford a 2.1 million dollar mantle card on their own. I want to have that same upside. So. Places like collectible that allow me to to buy 0.001 percent. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely all on board with that. Absolutely, um, I'm all signed up on collectible now as well. I've I've bought a, a couple uh, shares over there, so I'm with you on on that. And actually, everything you just said is 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 very encouraging for me as far as the collectible um, the fractional space being indicative of what's happening in the, the hobby at large. Because if, as you said, when you were or even you know possibly during the peak pandemic, if it was just like, hey, shares went like that, you know, that was obviously mirroring what was happening in the real world with the crazy spikes in in uh, the hobby. And now if we're seeing these things fill up faster again, we are seeing kind of the market stabilize a little bit. You know, that all is, is encouraging signs, as we said. Absolutely. All right. We, we've talked fractional. We've talked physical. 
we can't leave our hobby news and notes without talking top shot and unfortunately by the time that you listen to this the rare pack drop that is scheduled for wednesday morning afternoon depending on your uh your priority level will probably already have happened but there are some noteworthy differences with this pack drop that i thought we should mention on the podcast and and maybe things that uh, we see going forward so this this pack drop is called it's a rare pack drop called and then there were four um they've introduced tiered q base tier excuse me, tiered cues based on your collector scores. First time that they've done this, at least to my knowledge. There's a total of three cues. There's 2,000 packs in each queue. And in order to qualify for the best queue, the priority queue one, you need a collector score of at least 10,000. Priority queue, priority two queue, a collector score of 5,000. And for the plebes like me, if you're in priority queue three, you got a collector score of 100 and above and you're in, baby. You're you're in for the pack drop. So, hey, if, if you're like me, don't hang up. Don't, don't don't just ignore the pack drop because you aren't one of these ballers like Gary. So make sure you sign up. Make sure you get in there. Make sure you take your chance at the pack. But all of this is important because, uh, in hat tip to our boy, our friend of the show, John Jackson, at John Boy Beats on Twitter, he posted some numbers. Uh, Q1 has roughly a 30% chance of getting a pack. I think there's about 6,000 accounts that qualify. Q2 has an 8% chance of getting a pack. And Q3, you and I, if you're listening at home and you're in Q3, we've got about a 1.5% mm-hmm. chance of getting a pack. So, you know, what's the, what's the meme? So you're saying there's a chance. Yep. Yep. Right. So, so the whole, the whole takeaway here is, and I think this is going to be something that they continue to do going forward. I'm sure this will be received well because, you know, even for guys like me, at least we've got a shot, right? So I think this is something that that collectors will receive well. You're not completely dusted if you don't have the 10,000 collector score, or the 5,000 collector score, or whatever the case is. So, um, but if you aren't willing to play the collector score game, you are probably going to struggle to get some of these rare legendary packs going forward. So, um, I know we we talked off air. Like I said, I'm priority Q3. Your priority Q1, two, two, two. numero dos. Okay, I'm two, but I'm not far from one. Where are you at? Uh, what's what's the collector score number? So my overall collector score is about 1.4k, but I have the bonus, the drop bonus <laughs> that bumps me all the way up to 8,900. So Woo! I'm only 1,100 away uh, from being in that priority Q1. And quite honestly, I haven't been paying attention too much to to my collector score and everything that needed for for this pack. So Cody and I were just talking a little bit before the podcast uh, and about ways that, hey, in the next whatever it is, 12 to 14 hours before this drop goes, how can I possibly get myself up to to that Q1? So uh, Cody, I know you, you you didn't deep dive into this at all because we just kind of talked about this, but any any ideas or, or tools that I should be looking at to, to try to figure out how I can get myself up to, you know, bump up my collector score quick? No, and obviously I'm no pro because I, I couldn't get myself qualified. I'm not speaking as an expert here. Uh, and, and I would refer you to, if you want to really qualify, I want to qualify the best way possible, I would re- refer you to our friends at otmnft.com. Mm-hmm. On the moment is doing all the data behind the scenes to try and help you get your collector score bonuses uh, as cheap as possible and, and trying to get you qualified for these pack drops. So otmnft.com is probably the place to be. But there are some bonuses that will help you get there. Sounds like you've already maximized your uh, marketplace spend bonus. So shout out to you for for losing money on Top Shot. It's incredible work by you. Of course. Um, but as as we were mentioning off air, I think the best thing for you to do at this point is probably to stack up. You mentioned that you, you I think you mentioned two shows ago that you've already stacked up the Knicks. Yeah. And if I remember right, uh, I don't have the the blogs the blog in front of me. But if if you remember right, 
you can stack up those moments now that you own them and they're worth double what they were, what they would be on their own. So if you're out there and you're like Gary and you're close, um, think through uh, active ways that you can maybe boost your collector score. There's a huge, huge expected value or expected probability of getting the pack if you increase from Q2 to Q1. So I don't know, Gary, you'll have to update us if you're, if you're able to get there by the end of the night. But I think your best shot is probably stacking those Knicks moments or one of these other cheap teams where you can kind of uh, quickly level up your collector score. Yeah, I'm going to look into it much closer uh, after the pod here. But it's it's funny. The irony of this is that I have a better chance at this pack than you do tomorrow. Yet I've just shown <laughs> how much of a noob I was in this market, given that much money I've lost in it. And clearly you, uh, a little bit in the green on Top Shot, I believe you had mentioned. So it's uh, it's funny that that's kind of the, the way the world works sometimes. That, you know uh, what? And, and I don't, I'm not bummed out by being in Q3. Maybe I'll run hot for once in my life and get a pack anyway. And and maybe you'll get into the Q1 and you won't get one. So we'll see how things work out. Uh, I'll be there. I'm going to sign. I'm going to, I'm going to be in the waiting queue for the pack, but yeah, just, just a bummer. Just a bummer. If that does I, happen, you know, if that does happen yeah. and I, I don't get one in Q1 and you do get one in Q3, I, I, I will have take issue with you then. Yes. <laughs> I'll have, I'll have some problems with you. Kobe, we'll we'll have words on the podcast. I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that. As long as I'm the one that walks away with the pack. (laughs) I'll transfer you my pack for a nice premium. That's, that's fine too. Oh, you think so? Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Uh, We, we got a transition here to MLB because we mentioned uh, in episode 10, MLB really has taken center stage episode 11, maybe. Uh, But MLB has really taken center stage. We expected it to, um, especially for casuals like me that, that maybe catch just a few games every couple of weeks. Uh, man, I was I was glued to the home run derby. I was almost in tears when Shohei didn't advance past the first round. I was so bummed for that. Um, I was actually glued to the beginning of the All Star game. Kind of kind of dud it out for me, but it, it would yeah. It's, MLB is definitely taking center stage to say the least. So any any takeaways from the home run derby yesterday, All Star game tonight, anything else around the spectacle uh, of everything that's happened over the last couple of days with MLB, and what should we expect going forward? Yeah, huge MLB weekend into midweek here. I guess it was we had the MLB draft kind of go right into yeah. future, futures game, home run derby, and all game. We're going to touch on it all right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, we've been speaking about this at length. You're going to hear us keep talking about MLB, at least touch on it in most episodes moving forward here because it's going to be what we have to, to grasp onto. We mentioned we'll have the Olympics. We'll see if any interesting storylines come out of that. But for the most part, it's going to be MLB and then NFL preseason uh, and the NBA rumor free agency stuff. And, and that's kind of the time of year that we're living in, which is cool. And all good things that I like. And of course, Formula One. But, you know, for, for uh, MLB, you know, the home run derby was last night. I think we should start there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they do a good job making it as entertaining as possible these days with the bracket and, and everything. And I had a good time watching it. Uh, Pete Alonso, Mets power hitter. One once again, he won in 2019 as well. So for all intents and purposes, this was his title defense because he was not in it last year. I don't actually don't know if there was there a home run derby last year. Yeah, Vlad won. I don't it, think I, so. Uh, maybe there huh? wasn't. So I don't know. Either way, let's call him a back-to-back winner. Then at this point, still a young kid, won Rookie of the Year, I believe 20 a couple of years, say maybe 2019 as well. So yeah. and he had over 50 home runs that year. So huge prospect at that point, right? Big power hitting, 50 home run hitter for the New York Mets. Um, his cards were very hot around then. 
when he won rookie of the year. And now they have definitely stabled, uh, stumbled uh, a bit and kind of stabilized in for, uh, you know, the last year and a half or so. I think he really needs to be kind of getting back to that consistent level on the playing field that he's done. He did in his rookie of the year season. Now that he's shown in these home run derbies that he could obviously be a, a huge, huge star. So let's talk a little bit first about just kind of his paper and, and Chrome cards. So, his top series one, I believe he's out of from um, 2019, it was in the PSA 10, the paper, uh, had kind of been around that 30 to $35 range. I did see uh, a bunch kind of pop up right at the, after the Derby last night that sold for 50 or 60 bucks. So you saw that immediate bump, almost a 50% increase. And then for the Chrome card, which is this card here, PSA 10, same card in tops Chrome, um, those had settled in. Uh, let's see. I have it up here. Here actually, for so about forty to fifty dollars in most cases, and then all day today and last night they were going for closer to seventy, eighty. I saw people putting them yeah. up for buy it now for like one twenty. So again, just maximizing those windows for things like this, it's um, certainly possible. So I would expect now with him winning this, kind of his name getting back out there to for these cards to kind of stay stabilize at the higher level of that range that they've been in. Uh, but definitely a name to keep in mind. He's still young, still a, a huge marketable Mets star. So he's an he's an interesting guy from from a car perspective. What's the long-term outlook for a guy like that? I know, um, and, and this is something I want to get your take on uh, as we get through this MLB discussion here, but prospect windows in the MLB as, like I said, a casual fan and a casual collector seem a whole lot different than especially NBA, but even uh, NFL for some of these top-name quarterbacks. seems wild that a 2019 Rookie of the Year, a guy that can hit 50 home runs and plays in the Mets market, could see his 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 card market dip as drastically as it did uh in 2020 in the part of 20 in the first part of 2021 is that is that something that's normal in, in the mlb card market for somebody like that to see a drastic drop off in their card market yeah unfortunately it is with baseball right like if, if you you had one crazy year but then you weren't able to show sustained success i think people are quick to to jump off um but, you know, you ask about long-term sustainability for somebody like Pete Alonso. To me, he's somebody that I would look to invest in. Now, you know, health is always an issue for everyone. But if he's 26, so he's a little bit of an older rookie yeah. when he won. I guess he was probably 23, 24. He's turning 27 this year at the end of the year. So, you know, he's getting up there a little bit as far as kind of – where he started his career, right? He wasn't one of those 19 year old rookies is, is all I mean sure. by that. But you know, it's somebody that was, he showed he was able to hit 53 home runs in modern day baseball. Okay. That's, that's not, that's, that gets not overall a fluke. Now, right. even if that is the peak of what he's able to do, you know, he, if he's, he's an everyday single everyday player, uh, he plays in a stadium in city field that is not a hitter friendly stadium necessarily. So, you know, maybe even if he settles in at high thirties, but if he's like the next captain of the Mets staple, everyday player stays healthy, he's there for 10, 15 years. This is a guy that if he gets four or 500 home runs in his career, um, yeah, absolutely has long-term sustainability. I would be buying now while his market's low, maybe wait for it to settle back down. People forget about the Derby a little bit. But if you're somebody that believes in a guy like this, uh, th this is the kind of player that you look at as for a long-term sustainability standpoint in baseball. Because again, power hitters, big market, that's the kind of stuff that really matters in baseball. Um, there was only on card ladder, there was only one track sale of his first Bowman auto, which was out of 2016 Bowman draft. Um, and that had the 9.5 with the 10 from BGS. Uh, and that was for $330. That was only one of the last two weeks. Uh, then right after the Derby, I saw the exact same card last night sell for $550. So a $220 oh, wow. increase. And then one raw last night for went for $150 raw. And I think wow. those were going for a little bit under $100 raw of late. So you, you're seeing this bump right now on that. Um, 
you know, they, you know, they, it, that's, that's definitely a card. And I would look in, you know, let's say the three thirty was low and the five fifties high. If that settles in around that $400 number, um, you know, I want to see him do it on the field in everyday baseball more consistently, but he's somebody that is the kind of player you, you should look to invest in long-term in baseball. What about the guy that he ousted last night in Trey Mancini? Yeah, Trey Mancini is just someone I wanted to have a quick conversation about because, you know, he's he's just another example of kind of like we spoke about Matt Olson a couple of weeks ago that are these young or young-ish stars that maybe they're not superstars, but I think star is the right word for them. He's got a great story. He had to miss all of last year, the pandemic season, while he was battling cancer. He overcame cancer. He's healthy now, and he's kind of right back to where he was as like a, a budding player, uh, first baseman for the Orioles first base and outfielder for the Orioles. Now he is 29 years old. Uh, he debuted in 2016, was a little bit of a late bloomer as far as kind of his being an all-star caliber player. But, um, you know, he's somebody that is a, a marketable guy, uh, somebody that I want, everyone wants to root for. Probably still has his big payday ahead of him as well. It looks like he's still on kind of his arbitration deals. He's only making, um, you know, it looks like his $500,000 was his, uh, last salary for from arbitration. So, um, you know, he could kind of be in the spotlight a little bit for, from that, but he's somebody that you can get for really cheap, right? So his first Bowman Chrome Auto, um, a lot of two for 9.510, just the Chrome base sold for $150. I was looking at eBay sales. Um, and that was with two. So $75 average for for that graded. Uh, the If you want to get, get in on his color stuff, the refractors, the green out of 99 sold for $330 with a, a 9.5 with a 10 auto. So just another example of young, good talent MLB that may be undervalued. Uh, and he's somebody that you'd want to root for. So whether it's PC, uh, somebody that you might believe in long-term, it's just another one of those other guys that, is is out there you can get it at affordable numbers and um made a remarkable uh return to, to the game this year and is having a uh, a pretty nice season yeah it's wild how deep the talent pool is uh for major league baseball right now it's some of these guys when you look at their markets and you think this guy's a top 20 30 15 player maybe even then you look at their markets and realize that these guys can be had at uh, affordable numbers it kind of Kind of makes you take a step back. I know we talked about the NBA market, kind of an NBA comparable, and it'd be like if Shea gets, you know, SGA just didn't really have a card market, uh, even for some of his flagship stuff, some of his prison stuff, you're still seeing 150 or, or more dollars for that stuff. So uh, I think it just speaks to how deep the league is right now, especially at the top end of the talent pool. Just looking through uh, some of the all star game players, Vlad Jr., Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, uh, Judge, obviously Otani. Um, so many, so many guys that are just absolute rock stars right now. Is yep. there anybody else um, outside of some of the big names that we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, um, you know, like the Otanis and the, and the Vlads that really catches your eye as, as a long-term guy or as a buy low type of guy, anyone that you should be looking at as, as baseball starts to heat up right now? You know, I, I don't have too many guys in mind as far as just our everyday MLB players. Uh, my eyes right now are more on prospects and recent call-ups uh, and with the Bowman releases of late, you know, th those type of names that I've been, I've been tracking more than those kind of undervalued, but budding star type players. But we've mentioned them. I think like, a guy that I really like the Mancini, Matt Olson. You can find these guys left and right in MLB that are kind of top 15 through 50 players in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, Glaber Torres is a guy in the Yankees that is, that is vastly disappointed this year. And he's still only 23 or 24 years old and was a top overall shortstop prospect over the last couple of years. So, you know, you could you have a super buy low window right now. If you think he could turn it around, there's so many guys like that. in. in so the I league. think, 
I think that brings up a really good point, and especially for casual baseball card collectors uh, and, and investors. Is it is the reason why some of these guys' markets are so seem like they're so stagnant or have dropped so much because people like you are prospecting on the next big thing and expecting the next big thing to come up? And maybe if that's the case, talk about why why you would be interested in that uh, type of player prospect as opposed to somebody on the on the uh, on the big league stage that's maybe already proven what they can do given their they're given their career opportunities. That's exactly what it is. And it's it's the reason why you have to be so willing and and even though it could be scary and and you you know you might have FOMO if you miss out on the exact window, but why you have to be so willing to sell prospects when they're still prospects because you know, the big names, the top 50 guys, the guys that are going to be, you know, on the, the team's blogs being spoken about every day that people are tracking, waiting for their names to be called up. These are the guys that they actually might have their peak for, it could be like a two-year window right at that time yeah. when they're getting the most hype and most talked about. Maybe there's word word about them getting called up or maybe they were, you know, one uh, just got bumped up in the MLB pipeline and they're having amazing minor leagues years and now they're considered the number one prospect on their team or top 30 prospect, whatever it may be. You know, th- that's going to be a time to possibly sell on a player like that. And that's when all the, that's where all the speculating is happening. And then once a guy gets into the bigs, you know, you're going to have windows to buy back into those prospect cards, right? Glaber Torres right now is a perfect example of that for if you, if you looked four years ago, right before he was going to get called up to the Yankees, you know, you, you were paying probably double the amount that you can get that same first Bowman card. Now, even though he's probably, you know, has another 15 years of his career ahead of him, but because he's disappointing so much in this, his third or fourth season, you know, that's that's the whole thing with these prospect cards, right? So we talked about it with Wander Franco, the window that you had when he got called up and when all the hype's around him, the number one prospect in baseball. And I, I think we should use this as a kind of a, a transition into uh, – first, I, I want to touch quickly on the, the Futures game that happened. So the MLB Futures game happens – two days before the actual All-Star game. So that happened on Monday. A lot of big names in minor league baseball right now, actually names that are kind of in the lexicon of of just average baseball fans. So you have uh, Jason Dominguez, who we've spoken about at large. He was the first time they ever brought someone that young to come play in this game. He had only played, like, you could count single digits the amount of minor league games he's played. Uh, He appeared in that game. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., also a a really young kid that was the number two overall pick a couple years ago, uh, was in the same Bowman set as Jason Dominguez. 2020 Bowman was in that game. This is his gold refractor, first Bowman, 9.5 with the 10 auto. So this is a big card. card. He's He's got a very big market. Yeah. Um, so like, that's the kind of guy that is his name coming around next year, probably right before the season, he has spring training bail. You know, is there, can he be the starting shortstop on the big league thing out of camp? That's the time that I might be looking to sell something like that. Uh, but somebody like this. So the, the, I think the MVP of the futures game was the Cubs top prospect, Brennan Davis, 22 year old kid, um, outfielder has a lot, a lot of hype going into that Cubs market is a, is a really big deal. Um, for someone like that, I'm selling right now. Like you, you have, he just won the futures game. He's got a lot of eyes he's in a big market. The people that are looking to buy him know who he is, right? So like that market is has yeah. has a level of sustainability. You know, that's those these are the kind of guys that you you want to take advantage of selling while their names are so hot in their prospect days and then you probably will have windows to buy back in if you ever want to get get back involved. Now, you're not always going to. They might take off and and never come back down, but you 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 probably have to be willing to take that that chance, you know. Okay, take take that a, a step further for me, if you would, because these are guys that already have cards out, guys that are maybe peaking at the right time, and you're trying to sell them at the right time. What about what just had what just took place uh, starting on Sunday? I believe it was the MLB draft. Any names that you can throw out to the listeners that they should keep an eye on when products are released, cards that they should be be targeting, teams that they should be targeting, 
uh, and box breaks and things like that. Who, who's the next crop of guys that we should be prospecting on? Yeah, so this was by all by all um, considerations, this was considered a, a good MLB draft. There's a lot of high end talent, a lot of good prospects. Um, so Pittsburgh had the first pick, and they took Henry Davis, who is a catcher. Now we've seen this happen now with catchers be the first overall pick in MLB drafts a couple of times over the last few years, and we've spoken a little bit about this as well. Historically, it's not to the extent of pitchers, but catchers historically don't have the exact same upside as position players. Uh, or, you know, regular position players, shortstops, power hitters, things like that. Now, we started to see this change slightly with this guy, Adley Rutschman. He was the first overall pick two years ago in 2019, also a catcher for the Orioles. I think he's right now in the MLB side, the second overall prospect in baseball. Uh, so this is his – he was in 2019 Bowman draft. This is his purple refractor, first Bowman auto, 9510. So that's out of 250. So, you know, that guy has a big market right now, and he's somebody that people think is you know could be one of the next big catchers in the league. So maybe we'll see it with this Henry Davis kid who was the first overall pick. However, I would just say, you know, again, historically catchers be a little bit – you know, have, have lower expectations for what their overall upside is as prospects. So that's just something to consider. But it is very possible he's the first overall pick. He's going to have a big hype in whatever product he comes out in, which will probably be 2021 Bowman draft. So do you have, actually, do you have any any questions for, for what I just said there, Cody, before I kind of dive into to what the, that release schedule will look like? No, if you're going to the release schedule, that's my next question because you mentioned okay. Bowman and, and Bowman draft. I, I think that I know the difference, but I really want you to, to, to kind of hammer that, hammer that point home for me if you could. Yeah, so Bowman draft um is what it sounds like for the most part it's the first prospect cards of the most recent draft so the 2021 Bowman okay. draft it'll come out in a couple of months and it's going to be mostly the kids that just got taken as for their as far as their first bowman card now bowman does a couple of funny things i mentioned that they have their bowman release which came out a couple of months ago 2021 bowman has a lot of first prospect cards in there as well it could have been through the draft it could have been through international signings um you know they split it up a little bit so there's first prospect cards in each release so 2020 Bowman draft is going to have Henry Davis will be in that. Usually they have the first overall pick in that product. Now, historically, what they've done is split up the first pick and the second pick so that they can kind of hype one of the big prospects around each release. Sure. So basically, Henry Davis will be in 2021 Bowman draft. And then the number two overall pick was Jack Leiter, Al's son, pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Really, really good pitcher. Yet he still is a pitcher for hobby hobby standards, and they will put him likely in 2022 Bowman, just regular 2022 Bowman, and he'd be like the big flagship star pitcher out of that release. Now, something that I'm wondering is because this was such a, a good draft, and the top two was one was a catcher and one was a pitcher, kind of two non-traditional, uh, you know, hobby positions as far as hype is concerned. For me, the biggest possible name out of this past draft was the fourth overall pick. Unfortunately, went to the Boston Red Sox, a shortstop named Marcelo <laughs> Mayer, who I think was largely considered the best hitting prospect in this class. He's a shortstop with kind of five-tool potential. Uh, and usually when you have a big market, fourth overall pick, shortstop, that is going to be the hot name, hot chase in the hobby. I can tell you right now. Now, I would guess they're going to put him in the 2021 Bowman draft as well since he was the fourth pick, not the second. But I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they decide to split up Henry Davis and Mayer and not, you know, Leiter and Mayer. Now, again, historically, they do first and second, but you never know. So maybe you'll see Mayer be in 2022 Bowman and Davis in 2021 Bowman draft. When we know about that, I, we will talk about it on the podcast. But yeah, you know, th that's the way that they kind of split up these releases. Um, but Bowman draft this year is going to be a very good product, given that this was a very strong draft class. All right. I don't want to, I don't want to put you on the spot here. We mentioned Henry Davis, Marcelo Mayer, 
anyone else as you're looking through first couple of rounds uh, of the draft that really stands out to you names that uh, maybe deeper down the borders are just just top heavy with these two guys as of right now anyway yeah and so i mean um you know un- unfortunately I don't know too. You know, I'm not a an MLB yeah, not, draft. Not head. encyclopedia. Not encyclopedia not, about the not uh, like MLB draft. With the M- NBA and sure. NFL, but um, I do know that a lot of there was a lot of good pitching in this draft. So you know, I don't know how much that will translate. I'm really interested to see what Jack Leiter's market is as a pitcher. He's all, he's definitely one of the biggest pro- pitching prospects in a long time, and he's got nasty stuff. And his name's been in the lexicon for a while. So he was drafted a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, mid rounds and decided to com- make his commitment to Vanderbilt. And he did it, made a great decision because he was the best pitcher in the country. And that was a second overall pick. Um, he actually had a teammate that when 10th overall was supposed to go, I think even earlier, like top five, his name is uh, Kumar Rocker. Uh, no mm-hmm. relation to John Rocker, uh, but he went to the Mets at 10 overall. So big market, also a really big power pitcher. So a lot of good pitching in this class, but I know that there was some good hitting down the board as well. Always hard to speculate because a lot of those hitters are, are usually out of high school. So it's really hard to say for those 17-year-old type of kids. But I know that Mayer kid for Boston um, is you know pretty cleaned up as far as shortstop concerned. I would expect him to be to be the biggest hitting name in uh, this these upcoming releases. All right. Plenty to look out for in the MLB market, especially on the on the prospect side as these new products get released. We got to do a quick reset here in the NBA finals. When we last talked, the Suns were up 1-0, um, shot the lights out in route to game in route to a victory in game two. And then Giannis was just way too much to overcome in game three. So we're, we're at 2-1. Bucks are at home for game four tomorrow night. Has, have your thoughts changed at all on the series? Are you or have you swung in the Bucks favor? Do you think Giannis can pull this off and get four and five? To, to get the title back to Milwaukee. Yeah, man. So oh, it, it's it's <laughs> definitely not, I'm not in the Suns in five camp. Uh, you sure. know, I'm definitely not in that. Gi- Giannis is, it's it's great. This is so freaking awesome to see because he's he's somebody that, and I don't think we're talking about this enough just as a whole. He's somebody that won two MVPs in a row over the last three years. Yeah. And he's taking his biggest leap in the NBA finals right now. I mean, what he's doing is incredible, incredible. Putting up numbers that only Shaq has really done the 40 and 14 numbers or whatever that he's averaging over the last couple of games. I think he's realizing that he shouldn't be shooting from the outside and just attack, attack, attack. They finally were able to get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble. Just all really good signs for Giannis's game. Phoenix doesn't really have an answer. Uh, and no. now it's really good. Unfortunately, as good as he's been, it's really going to all be dependent on what he gets out of Drew and, and Middleton. Yeah. Because, you know, both these teams are pretty thin right now. Like they really go seven deep for as far as what they're comfortable with, six and a half, seven deep. So, you know, it's really going to all be come down to the stars for this series. So, what kind of consistent help can he get out of Drew Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton? Both those guys are max players. You know, you have to be getting max production out of them. So that's really what I want to see. I think they'll take game four tomorrow night and we have a tie game and then it's anybody's it's anybody's series. I would love to see it go six or seven. I really think we're going to see it go six or seven. I still lean Phoenix, but I'm definitely, yes, more encouraged as far as it being an overall series after what I'm seeing out of Giannis last two games and Milwaukee uh, grabbing game three. What, what say you? I could not agree with you more. It's been so fun to watch Giannis. I'm not even I'm not even a huge Giannis fan from a basketball perspective or from a hobby perspective, but it's been so fun to watch him uh, do his thing in the finals. Some of the moves that he's made in the post and just literally pushing uh, DeAndre Ayton back, just a, a physical specimen. It's truly incredible to watch. Like you said, putting up numbers that we haven't seen since Shaq. Uh, yeah, and he's he's really taken his next step. If if there was a next step for a two time. MVP award winner, um, somebody as, as physically gifted as Giannis, just putting the team on his back and, and kind of doing the old Marshawn Lynch and yeah. wheeling his team to victory despite some poor performances from from Chris and Drew. 
yeah, I mean, if he can get anything out of those guys for a few games, it could be we could be in for a, a wild finish in game seven. I, I'll say that much. But I, I, I'm with you. I still lean Suns. Uh, and I can I can say that and feel good about that because I could be right on the podcast. And I do have a small finals, uh, a small futures bet on nice. Milwaukee. So oh, either good. way, either way, I'll be happy. Yeah. But not I, I think that bet might be uh, might be a little dust. But I, I am hoping we see six or seven out of the series yep. because it's been it's been truly a joy to watch. Yeah, and not to get too in the weeds, but Drew Holiday was really solid in game three. We still have not had the Chris Middleton game. I want to see it all come together all at the same time for the Bucs. And if they could do that on Phoenix's court, we're going to have ourselves a series. Because right now it looks like Phoenix has a huge advantage at home. Clearly Milwaukee looked comfortable at home. Um, you know, I want to see this rejuvenated Giannis and this this uh, energetic and kind of uber-focused Giannis and Bucks team take that onto the court in Phoenix, and we'll have ourselves a series. Uh, just to stay on Giannis quickly, I mentioned this card on the podcast because I said I was looking at um, one that they were selling on eBay just for my own comps. But this is my best Giannis rookie card. It's that die-cut light blue. Yeah. I don't know if I had shown this before, but I figured I'd pop it back out again if I did. Um, so this is out of you know the 13-14 prism. It's out of 199. It's in a BGS 9.5. Uh, big Giannis rookie card. So you know, I, again, I've shown some cool Giannis stuff I have here. Obviously, my cards, uh, my card, you know, investments are rooting for Giannis. I think maybe as a basketball fan, I'm rooting for Chris Paul. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm I'm happy either way. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's all we can ask for as basketball fans. Yeah. Um, I want to give you some time because at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about some, we had a lot of product releases, um, both recent and upcoming. I want to give you time to talk about that and talk about wax, uh, and, and what to do with it. So real quick, before we get into that, just want to, just want to touch again, since we mentioned it a couple episodes ago on rumor season, it's obviously heating up. We got the Shams article today, uh, in the athletic about some speculation and with, with draft and free agency coming up, um, you know, the 76ers finally come out and say that they're, you know, opening up shop for Ben Simmons and willing to listen to offers. We knew that was coming. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. If, if Ben, we've talked about this, if Ben goes to a market where he can take over as the lead dog and they can build the, try and build a team around him and maybe somebody can fix the, the shooting woes. That's a, that's a big, if, um, you know, you might see his market rebound definitely in the short term. It will um, with, with changing teams, but you might see his market rebound and whoever comes to Philadelphia on the, on the opposite side of that might see a similar short term bump. Um, seems like John Collins is drawing some interest. I think we mentioned him a couple episodes ago. He could potentially be a max player in Atlanta. I would imagine if he signs that max deal, uh, you'll see a nice little boost for his market. Or if he changes teams, I saw today that he was linked to Dallas and Miami. So um, I think those would be a nice boost for his market. And then my boy Lonzo was linked to the Clippers and the Bulls today. So it uh, sounds like the Pels are unlikely to match an offer sheet. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think all of these guys, they could see short-term boosts in their market should they change teams. And if they go into the right situation, like Lonzo and the, with, with the Clippers, with, uh, you know, surrounded by Kawhi and Paul George, uh, might be a good situation for him to, to even take a step forward long-term in his game. Same thing with someone like John's, John Collins. You know, I, I think the, the ceiling might be limited for him. Uh, but he's kind of the perfect four for a team uh, in today's NBA. I think he could he could make some noise. And then <laughs> your Knicks, your Knicks are linked to. I feel like every well, I think I think people want to link your Knicks to every point guard yeah. in the entire NBA. Uh, but but sounds like per Shams, your near Knicks might be interested in Colin Sexton. What do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm okay with it too. Like with some caveats. So 
he's 22 or whatever, and he's he's super young, and he averaged 24 points per game, and that's a, kind of exactly what the Knicks need. They mm-hmm. need youth and scoring out of the point guard position. Now, uh, I don't think the analytics and um, data world loves Colin Sexton. You know, I, I think that he's not a super efficient player. There's been some um, murmurings about his attitude things like that as far as kind of maybe he thinks that he's he's a little bit better than he is. Now, if he got in the hands of Tibbs, I think Tibbs can get, you know, freaking anyone to buy in. I think get your your 2-year-old or 3-year-old to buy in to, to a system. So, <laughs> um, you know, maybe maybe everything would be okay there. Now, the rumor package today was Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox and their 21st pick in this draft. I'm fine with that deal. It's basically Kevin Knox and a 21 um you know, is, is a, is a total dart throw. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's basically Obi Toppin. Now the way I'm looking at that, um, they were, they'd probably not be picking out of 19 and 21 anyway, the, they, they'd likely trade one of those in some deal or move up. So, uh, you know, at that point, Obi Toppin's going to be buried behind Randall no matter what. So it's basically like, I look at it as swapping Obi for somebody like Sexton. Yeah. I would, I would be willing to do that for sure. Now I don't necessarily want to be paying him long-term. I want it to play out that year and then kind of make a decision from there. If they, if they, if they traded for him and then extended him right away, I would not like that. So if they trade for him, cool. If they extend, trade for him, extend for him, I'm not game. But uh, yeah, just as far as busy, you know, rumor season in general, you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, you, you mentioned some good names today. I, w- I was doing a little cleaning out of my uh, inventory in my closet and I, I grabbed a bunch of Kyle Lowry. I, I grabbed a bunch of Damian Lillard. I grabbed a bunch of Colin Sexton just to be ready to go. If um, any big news drops for some from players calibers of that, I want to have those windows ready to, to bounce and, and those listings ready to go. Yeah, I'm with you. I've got some low end uh, Alonzo stuff, so I, I got that pulled. I pu- uh, did your method of you know get the pictures ready, get the drafts up on on eBay, and, yep. and as, as much as I love Lonzo, I'll hold on to some of that stuff. But as much as I love Lonzo, if it, you know if he gets traded to the Clippers and people want to speculate on on what that means, uh, I'll hop on some of that, take some profits off the table there. I want to yep. give us some time to really nail into some new releases and some upcoming releases because we've got a lot on the horizon over the next couple of weeks uh, and, and month. And then I want you to talk more about what what we should be doing with wax, both short term and long term, and how to best maximize our expected value if we're buying wax or if we're getting involved in box break. So very open ended, but take that where you want to go over the next five to 10 minutes here and just give me your thoughts on on what we should be doing with wax with all the new products coming out. Yeah, I'll uh, let's talk about that first, and then I'll talk about some of the products products coming out. So, um, you know, we, we've been having a little bit of conversation, in, even in the Discord, just kind of some some questions about we were using it around Formula One, but uh, questions about where to look for for wax, you know, expected EV things like that. So, I want to just talk about this in general. First and foremost, I think we've mentioned this before. It's still very important to know if you're buying your own hobby box sealed, you know, going to rip your own wax, your expected EV is negative. It's not going to change. That is the case now. That doesn't mean that it's not worth doing because it's not like, you know, you're um, just throwing money away willy nilly necessarily. And it's also not like you're just going to buy a lottery ticket because usually you will get some money back in your value. Well, you will. You're going to get something back in your box. Now, is it going to be $20 on a $400 box? That sucks. But you, you know, at least maybe you'll get 200 of your 400 bucks. You can make half your money back, something like that. A lot of products will have that expected return. Now, you know, that all depends on your bankroll, what you're comfortable with, but you always have to remember that the upside is there in the modern card game, right? The, you know, you're, you're, you're buying a $500 box because you can hit a $50,000 card. That's just the reality of it. And, you know, so it's not necessarily like everything else in life where you're just going to always immediately avoid negative EV. To me, it's not like there's, it's the same thing as that we've talked about entering GPPs. If you know what you're doing, you're going to have a better chance of returning value. So for me, I like to just kind of, you have to do your research and know what you're looking at and know what you're buying into. 
that's why I've always said I stick to certain products. Now there are always some people that could just are in that flipping game, right? They want to buy score football when it comes out and they want to get the Trevor Lawrence card. And then they were the first person to pull that. And then they'll flip that card for double their pack price or whatever. And like, Hey, respect. Oh, you know, if you're able to, to do that on all different products, great for me. I like knowing that when I, whenever I'm getting my hands on, it has a certain level of quality to it. It has a certain level, you know, baseline secondary market value to it. So that's the, the most important thing first and foremost. Um, is is knowing what you're you're buying into so there's all different types of products we've spoken about this at length when we kind of did some of the starter pack stuff there's low end there's mid-tier there's high end um so let's talk about something like panini noir which was uh, released two weeks ago that came out on july 2nd that is a basketball product very it's, it's considered high end you know they're the boxes are like over a thousand dollars per box um however you know, something like that, your EV is going to be pretty, pretty negative, you know? So what I would say when you're getting something like that, you are chasing things like the sneaker spotlight card, sneaker spotlight autograph cards. These are acetate, nice cards with the, the picture of the player's sneaker and it's signed. They're beautiful. They're big chase cards. Um, that would make your money back for a big name. If you get a LeBron sneaker spotlight card or Curry sneaker spotlight card. Uh, however, there are cool rookie patch autographs out of that as well, things like that. But for something like that kind of product, I am selling everything that I wasn't chasing or don't, don't want to invest in long term. I'm selling it while that product has a new time frame, new window. Sure. Um, you put those cards up right after you rip that box or right after you get those cards back from a break. You're going to get a lot of eyes and a lot of watchers while that card is still within its one or two week kind of infancy. Now, you risk like, – like we've spoken about with college uniforms in football. You risk – waiting too much longer on some of that stuff. Now, if it's a big rookie and it's one of their rookie autograph cards or whatever, you know, you have, you obviously have a little bit more wiggle room and, you know, it's still a good product. So that stuff's going to sustain. But if you're just trying to sell, I don't know, let's Kyle Lowry's top of mind, just because we were just talking about him, but just like a run of your mill noir Kyle Lowry autograph card um, at a 99, you know, you're going to want to sell that within that first month of that or three weeks of that product being out. So that's something that is super important to me uh, when we're talking about, you know, ripping and trying to make some money back of, of your own wax. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. I think we got a good uh, question in discord that can piggyback off of that and trying to maximize EV of, of uh, box breaks and, and uh, also ripping your own wax. Is there a good resource? I think uh, card ladder and sports card investor and one thirty point.com and all these great resources for individual cards. Is there a good resource out there that you found uh, something that you're willing to give away the secret sauce on if you're trying to source prices for either buying your own boxes, buying your own blasters, hobby, retail, any of that, any any resources that are available to us as collectors to try and find the best price on a box? Yep. So price shopping boxes is and, and cases, too, if you're in that game, is the same as it is for, you know, with the same importance as it is for singles like we've spoken about. Um, Card Ladder, to their credit, does does do this. They if you type in hobby box or type typing it, they might have a track on the average sale uh, resale of that hobby box. So they have it for a lot of modern day boxes. So that's a great tool um, as far as I'm, I'm think that they're pretty much tracking eBay, but that's, that's totally cool. Uh, you know, the, the way I, I, you, but for the most part, you're gonna have to put in a lot of your own research. So what I would start out doing, obviously, you know, the release date of these products, try to get them directly from Panini or tops. Mm -hmm. If you're comfortable with what the release date is, if it's not one of those Dutch auctions, whatever it is, that's going to be your best way to know you're getting it at the retail price. But at that point, um, use some tools. First thing I would do is just type in the hobby box in Google, um, check out cardboard connection, check out blowout, um, check out David Adams, steel city collectibles. These are kind of all the huge, um, 
big box online wax sellers for, for lack of a better term. So check out what their prices are at, compare them, and then go to eBay and see what people are selling them for secondary. So you can kind of get and look at sold listings, same same way we would do for, for singles. That's one way to do it. And then you know, breakers that that do personal breaks. So basically it's the same as getting into a group break, but they'll basically open it for you on stream and just send you the whole box. Um, it's a way to bring, you know, money to their, obviously to their breaking operation, but a way to bring people to the channel and, and things like that. So yeah. they'll do that for you. And usually whatever price that they have will be tax and shipping free. So take that into account, right? So if you're buying a hobby box, let's use Formula One as an example. Those are going for around $750 a box right now for the Sapphire, but maybe you can get it for $720 on eBay. But by the time you're paying for tax and shipping on that, you're paying around the same or more. So if yeah. you're comfortable and you're, you know, you're already using that breaker, you know, that's something that you have to to take into account for a personal box with with breaking when breaking is concerned. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're gonna have to put in your own some of your own work as far as price shopping on that. But the tools are are out there for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And especially as we get into this season where we're we're gonna have a ton of releases. I think this this NFL class, as we've talked about on previous shows, is gonna be really big uh, yeah. for people getting into box breaking and people maybe buying their own uh, retail and hobby boxes and trying to break those, chasing some of these huge named quarterbacks. Uh, any upcoming releases before we get out of here that you want to touch on that uh, are already scheduled? Yeah, I'll touch on some of the big ones. And this is the last point I want to make because um, the the way this whole topic came up in Discord is kind of ways to mitigate risk around EV. We just spoke about it from time windows. But the other thing for me is the products that you're looking at, you want to make sure that, you know, hey, if you do get stuck with one of the cards or if you're looking for long-term investment, that that this stuff does have legs. So I, the stuff that I keep is really just either high-end that I know that historically, like the patch autograph stuff or the Chrome-based, if it grades, is stuff that is going to be the market indicators of that player. Or it is a special circumstance like this year's Formula One, which is the first year that Topps has made these cards. So it's the debut. It's theoretically the rookies for everyone. Um, and, you know, we're in a special circumstance there, right? So like that Lewis Hamilton super factor gets pulled, you know, that thing might pull $300,000 on the resale. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised at all. You know, they, it probably will, quite honestly. It's going to, it'll get over a quarter million. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a special circumstance because this is the first year that all of these cards have been out. Now, we're, they're clearly, it's a very popular thing. They're going to make more and more of them now over the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised to see this first year hold a little bit more value, even though, you know, the Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, it's not their rookie. They've been on the, they've been driving for a couple of years, yeah. but it is their first year. The same way we talk about series on the top. So that's one thing to look at. The other thing is, you know, it's a higher entry point, but things like national treasures and flawless things that, you know, are those flagship patch autographs. That's the kind of stuff that you are going to mitigate risk a little bit more, even though you're paying at a higher entry level, your return, first of all, on the non chase cards is going to be higher and your long-term um, upside is certainly higher. So that's that's just a way to mitigate EV risk with with wax. Um, all that said, some releases. Uh, one other recent release was Topps Diamond Icons. Baseball was recent. That's a very high end um, baseball product. One of the highest ends. It's all on card autograph patch stuff. Um, it's I think it's over a thousand dollars a box. Uh, re really nice stuff. They have rookies in there as well. All the big vets uh, and re some retired players. So. 
really nice product. People love diamond icons. It's great for group breaks. People usually do it by the single box. Um, you can get in there for a cheap number if you're buying random teams in a single box. You know, may not hit a card, but at the very least, you're getting in at a cheap number with really high upside. So that's uh, a great release. Um, tomorrow, Tops Museum Collection Baseball comes out. Tomorrow is 714. Um, another high end, not as high end as diamond icons, but they're kind of known for their framed autograph cards. So like they have a gold or silver framed border with like a cool thick uh, ink and Sharpie and uh, also mostly on card uh, autographs. Nice stuff. Uh, and then we have a bunch of basketball releases coming out. So next week we have clearly Donruss basketball. Uh, let me find one for you while I talk a little bit. So, oh, here. Uh, so basically it is Donruss, but with clear stock. So it's see-through. So I've been selling a lot of Cameron Johnson for the Suns. Here's one of his rated rookie clear. So you could see me through it. You see that? Yeah, very uh, cool cards. Very cool. Yeah. And this is the gold border. So this is one of a short print. Uh, so that comes out. So there's one of the Donruss rated rookies. And then we have select basketball coming out on the 28th. Uh, I think you all know at this point, select is yeah. one of the bigger Chrome based products. After that, we have one of the new UFC releases, which I think at that point we'll talk, we'll talk about because we've spoken about UFC a little bit. We want, we're going to want to compare it to Prism. So that's UFC select. Um, and then we'll start seeing football come out a little bit, guys. So get excited. Uh, Gold Standard comes out the 23rd uh, of July. And then Panini Elements football comes out the 30th. That's the first product that I like a little bit. I believe it's in their pro uniform. So we're going to start to finally see some pro uniform stuff. Those have some metal card inserts. So literally they're, they're made of metal with on-card autographs. They have cool rookies in there. That's a decent NFL product. And and then from there in August, we're going to start seeing a lot of football trickle out. And then I want to end on August 11th, National Treasures Basketball comes out. Uh, really going to be really, really interested to see at what those box prices come out at. Those are the those are the number one flagship basketball rookie patch autographs. We were just talking a little about what those Zion Williamson vertical, the true out of 99s go for over 50 grand. Uh, Lamello. I'm guessing it's going to be a redemption. So we'll we'll talk about uh -oh. that when, when it comes out. But that's uh, kind of uh, about a month out. So big 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 uh, month of releases coming out and lots lots to look forward to if you're um in the hobby and you're looking to from all different tiers you know uh low end high end mid tier we got we got it all coming out over the next month yeah i mentioned to you i've got some of the low end uh ufc prism stuff and i had a pretty interesting experience with uh starting with the con mcgregor card last weekend so i'm really excited for the ufc select uh boxes to come out that product to release i will have some we'll save it for we'll save it for that show yeah. Uh, in a couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll kind of explain my experience and, and I think, a, a maybe a viable strategy if you're trying to, to buy and sell in the UFC in the UFC markets, uh, yeah, maybe, we'll leave um, it there, man. That was, that was a loaded episode, lots to take away, hopefully some good information on everything from basketball to baseball to, uh, what to do with, with boxes and wax. If you're buying and selling at this point and some upcoming releases to look forward to. We'll get you out of here today. Before we do that, I want to mention again, subscribe, rate, review, get you entered into a giveaway uh, that will continue to be doing at random. I think Gary may be on the verge of selecting something that he wants to give away once we get to that point, once we feel comfortable with the number of subscribers that we have. So hit it, hit it hard, guys. Hit it hard for us. Subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see if we can give that thing away on the next show. Yeah, I'll leave you on your toes. I'll say this. Uh, it's going to be our first slab giveaway. I'm giving out a slabbed card and tune in next week to find out exactly what will be given away. And, you know, if you leave that review, please subscribe, rate, review. You will be automatically entered. And we appreciate all the love so far. Please keep it coming. Love it. Thanks for being here, guys. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. For Gary, I'm Cody. Peace. Take care. <laughs>